This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Philip C. 7.05 a.m. on Wednesday, the 8th of February. In half an hour, we're going to discuss the cost of decommissioning oil and gas assets in the move to renewable energy. But as always, let's recap how global markets closed overnight. The US markets were all up in positive territory. The Dow was up 0.8%, S&P 500 up 1.3%, and the Nasdaq was up 1.9%. However, over in Asia, it's been decidedly mixed. The Nikkei is down 0.03%, Hang Seng up 0.4%, Shanghai Composite up 0.3%, Singapore's STI down 0.2%, but FBM KLCA was up 1%. Markets are everywhere. All over the place. What does this then mean? No idea. Because that's what we saw yesterday with Fed, Jerome Fed Powell's decision that they have to continue hiking up rates, but still markets were reacting quite positively they to those comments. They were unfazed, essentially. Unfazed, essentially. For some insights into international markets, we have on the line with us Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group in Sydney. Good morning, Jack. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Now, the tech-heavy Nasdaq rose more than 2%, led by gains of index heavyweights, Microsoft and Apple. Is this exuberance rational? Because valuations are close to expensive levels compared to real bond yields. God, I hope you're not going to ask me to clarify what's going on in the market. (laughs) That was our next question, Jack. I'm as confused as you, and wait for it, wait for it. You probably haven't heard this in a long time from me. I'm actually a little bit bearish at the moment. (gasps) That is rather rare, Jack. That is rather rare, I know. Yes, tell us the reasons for that. We're going higher for longer, in my opinion. Um I don't think we're anywhere near the end of the cycle in interest rates. And Jerome Powell's comments, I think, further um, reinforce that. I think what you're seeing at the moment is you're seeing, okay, we had a massive, you know, move down in the NASDAQ. There's a lot of money still on the sidelines that's coming in. Um, But I don't believe it's going to be consistent. I think we're going to see a hard landing out of the US in terms of a recession here. You've got to look at some of these tech companies. I mean, we've seen a lot of job cuts. The wage figure that we saw, sorry, the unemployment figure that we saw last Friday out of the US, 53-year low, I mean, they cannot get unemployment under control. It's still very, very strong and still very, very sticky. So my opinion is here now you start to sell some of these pops in the market and, you know, I I am moving a little bit into cash. Um, I think it's an unwarranted rally. I mean, earnings, we saw some earning disappointments out of the big tech heavyweights, Apple, Amazon, um, and who's the one I'm thinking of? I've lost my train of alphabet. And you need them, you need them to have stronger earnings in order for this market to rally. And you know, it's the big tech that's rallying this market at the moment. But I'm very wary about this rally. Um, and I'd be selling into it. And just on the back of interest rates, everybody is starting to think that we're at the end of this cycle. I don't believe that. I still believe we're gonna raise way into July. Um, and that will only put further pressure on households on mum and dads who make up, you know, most economies in the world and more pressure on things like the housing market, which we're starting to see is really starting to collapse both here in the US and uh, overseas, particularly here in Australia. Well, I want to just get your thoughts then. You know, you're, you're being bearish on the US, but how about China? Has it become unavoidable now? It's, I mean, let me flip the other hat there. Uh 
it's unavoidable. Look, I've said this for the last couple of months here in China. Um, fund managers are now realizing they are underinvested in the most important economy on the globe. There's no doubt about that. You have a China reopening, and the one thing that China has is its inflation rate is significantly lower than other countries in the world. It has an inflation rate that's in line with their target that they've been targeting for the last 10 or 15 years. Plus, you've got an easing of monetary policy there, and the engine is starting to rumble within China. Um, and then if you look at their valuations compared to their counterparts in the US and overseas, they look historically cheap. And this is the point I continue to make and I've made for the last couple of months. Look at the southbound connect. Look at the movement of assets from foreigners into domestic households or domestic buyers of Meituan, of Alibaba, of Tencent, of Pinduoduo. These are sticky buyers. They're not sellers. They're long-term holders. So fund managers are finding themselves and global investment analysts all around the world underinvested in the most important economy to the globe, and the euphoria is just going to continue. I expect that China will outperform most markets this year, and I continue to maintain my bullish stance. And I know I've been saying this for the last two and a half years, but uh, the chicken is coming home to roost, and I expect it to continue to rally. Okay, Jack, I see your perspective, and definitely there are many pluses. But how do you actually factor in the increasing US-China tensions that we see, and it's you know ratcheted up over the weekend over the weather balloon? Can our fund managers factoring this into their forecasts? Let me say this with, um, with the, the most amount of respect that I can. Who cares? China doesn't care. I mean, we've been seeing these two economies split apart for the last five years. You know, technologically, there is a iron curtain that sits in between them right now. Um, you know, China doesn't need US funding for its companies anymore. It's got plenty of money in Asia to fund these companies. If you talk about the technological move, yes, there's been a split. But let's look at what the US has done for the last three years. It's tried to clamp Chinese semiconductors. Uh, it's moved to attempt to ban many Chinese companies from being listed in the US. It's continued to put up that iron cord in terms of technology, and China continues to roll on. I mean, you've got to remember, China is not the old um, manufacturing copier of technology that it was 20 or 30 years ago. It is now an innovator. Yes, sure, they used a lot of US technology to get there, but they are now an innovating country, not a copying country. Um, and you've got to remember that Asia is the center of the economic universe. This is where the rising middle class is happening on um, an increased basis than anywhere in the world. This is where you have consumption rising more than anywhere in the world. Um, and China is simply in the center of that and going to be the captain of that going forward. So, you know, US tensions the tension, sure, they may move to short-term moves in the market, but if you look at the long-term trend, well, China's, you know, been pursuing this dual circulation policy, um, and that's actually starting to see benefits of that. And while there are some lags in some of the technology they own, particularly in semiconductors, it is my opinion, I have no doubt that they will end up getting that, and they'll continue to be an innovator. So I've always said, you know, as a tech investor, there are two types of technology in the world. There is US tech and there is Chinese tech. And then that's pretty much it when you look at innovation and new companies that, and you have to be invested in both because they are continuing to split apart and that will continue to happen.
All right. So what about apart from tech there, Jeff? Would you consider other China stocks like in real estate and renewable energy? Are there any names that uh, you're eyeing in these two sectors? Yeah, look, I'm still a bit wary about real estate. I still think you're going to see the rumbles of what we saw last year with some of these um, development, uh, these developing companies, you know, really start to suffer under the weight of that. I mean, you've got to remember with real estate, the Chinese actually had a policy misstep in that. They were trying to cap debt of their developers. Um, and once they got to a certain debt level, the policy was that you had to stop construction. So what we saw at the end of last year was they introduced a 13-point plan around you know providing some liquidity and allowing developers to finish these projects. So I think that's actually brought some stability to that market. However, I think it's too early to be investing in that. Renewables, I think, have run too far within China. I think it's it's, it's been a big leg up, and I don't think they're actually at the level which justify the valuations. If I was going to go into another area within China, I would start to look at some of these retail consumer stocks as China starts to reopen. And I still believe that Chinese semiconductors, which were battered because of US um, sanctions, I think that is going to be a real growth phase. And the reason for this is China is still 60% of the world's consumption of semis, and they want to move more of that domestic production to fuel their own growth. So I think that's going to be a big market. The Chinese have been investing billions and billions of dollars to try to become self-sufficient. And while they won't become 100% self-sufficient, I think they can at least cater for some of the higher, um, so the lower end chips that they consume on a daily basis. So they would be, I know it's still techie, and I know you asked me for something outside of techie, but those would be the <laughs> steps that I would concentrate on going forward. All right, Jack. Thank you, as always, for the chat. That was Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at BFS Group, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Well, clearly that balloon isn't going to prick any investor sentiment on China stocks. For the moment. For the moment. Let's see. Let's see. And I think what was also very surprising, and I think that's what's scratching Jacuzzi's head is, you know, despite the relatively bearish comments by Joaquin Powell, uh, markets reacted the other way around. Perhaps he wasn't bearish enough. Well, I was reading Bloomberg commentary and uh, basically the point was that he could have, Jerome Powell could have taken a more hawkish stand, uh, but he didn't take the opportunity to do so. So mm. markets are thinking, okay, Status quo. Oh, it's a hawk dressed like a dove. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's honestly markets are like this, right? It's the same glass. Everybody's staring at the same glass. But if the mood is, it's you know, for it to be called half empty, it'll be called half empty. One week later, it'll be half full. The lighting changes and yes. suddenly everything changes, even though it is that same glass of water. That's right. I do want to make a slight correction. Just now, we did say that the KLCA was up 1%. You know, thank you, Anthony, for the clarification. That is not correct. The FBM KLCA was down 1% yesterday. Okay. You make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time, Shawnee. <laughs> we are humans, not are AI. Humans. That's for sure. All right. I think we have some time for a quick headlines in terms of corporate earnings. We've got Chipotle Mexican Grill. We don't have Chipotle here in Malaysia, but it's a good barom barometer of where sentiment is going in terms of the F&B sector over in the US. They reported weaker than expected quarterly earnings and revenue. And it's showing that high inflation is having an impact on the restaurant. I love me a good burrito. The shares, however, fell more than 5% in extended trading. Adjusted earnings per share came in at $8.29 versus the expected $8.90. Revenue, though, top line increased by 11.3% to $2.2 billion. This was driven, however, by a 5.6% increase in same-store sales and new locations opening. Okay, so some interesting nuggets of information. The company did increase their menu prices 
by 4%. But they did say that this menu imp- price increase and lower avocado costs. I just wonder how many avocados they use. You put quite yeah. a Help to avocado. offset inflation that hit the menu last quarter. Uh, they are still quite aggressive when it comes to new, source de- new store openings. So I think that's going to be driving growth. But if you look at Wall Street, 23 buys, 9 holds, no sells. Consensus target price for this stock, very close actually to share price. So I don't see much upside from where it is at the moment. Can I throw in another nugget of information there? They opened um, a drive through concept. And you know what they're calling it? Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so clever. Chipotle, Chipotle, get it? I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... All right, 7.18 in the morning. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back looking at more top stories in today's newspapers and portals. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.